The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. It's not quite the end of March, but we have a little bit of March madness going on. Millions of NCAA basketball tournament brackets busted over the weekend. It feels weird not being at my workplace because I'm one of those people who still hasn't been vaccinated, so I'm not welcome in any way, shape, or form. But I remember the good old days of going to work and filling out a bracket. And the year that I won that bracket, all because George Mason made it to the round of 16, and everyone else's bracket was busted when UConn lost to Mason. And I was the only guy at the office to pick that up. So thus I won. Um, Am I being silly? I'm kind of being a little silly. But we're also talking about, remember the good old days? And we're starting to see gasoline prices rise and gasoline demand start to rise. So we're getting back to the good old days, but I'm not still quite there yet. Nor has Wall Street figured out how it wants to rebalance going forward. Does it want to be part of the reopening trade? Does it want to be part of an inflation trade? Where if interest rates go too much higher, Federal Reserve may step in and curb them. If a portfolio is intended to have a 60% weighting in stocks and 40% in bonds and the bond market's not working, what do you do? So there's a lot of questions on stocks versus bonds and what type of stocks to own in your portfolio, even if it's a 401k, which is supposed to be, I think, your most diversified approach to investing. Stock picking, you're going to be probably a little bit more prone to invest in what you know or invest in what you think you know. There's an oversimplification of things right now, cash, international stocks, commodities, real estate, alternative assets, Bitcoin. So I feel that the market's a little confused right now, a little dazed and confused, maybe a little bit a little bit high from the gains last year, maybe a little bit high from the $1.9 trillion stimulus coming in. It's it's the realignment's not like, I don't know if you've ever worked with pipes, but sometimes getting the pipe to fit just right takes a little bit of shaking, maybe a little bit of lubricant. And then it snaps into place. You're like, ah, perfect, good. We're not snapping into place yet. And I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen on Wall Street this year. I can tell you that COVID's still out there. There's more good news on the COVID vaccine front. But we already know that. We got the best possible news and the market reacted in the best possible way when we got a COVID vaccine at the end of 2020. Then we knew we're going to go, okay, now we're going to start talking about millions and millions of doses and millions and millions of pricks in the arm and millions and millions of, of, and we knew there were going to be some hiccups. But ultimately, we're only going to get slightly better news on the rollout of the vaccine at this point in time. So we can't count on that. We got the $1.9 trillion stimulus. So that's kind of been built in the market. Now the market's trying to say, will there be inflation out of this? What will the jobs look like? The Federal Reserve gave us kind of a lot of leeway last week when they said, we're not going to raise rates 
till the end of 2023. Now that can change. That is a verbal promise that could change. But if you're taking his taking him for his word, Jerome Powell, this is a good environment. But you still have to figure out last year was glorious in shutdown stocks. We've already had some reopening speculation and fervent activity in like movie theaters. We've seen oil go gangbusters and last week have a little bit of a mini correction. Still below where it was this time last year, but way better than it was at the depths of the pandemic. The auto industry is in a supply chain disruption. Tesla had to shut down a factory a couple weeks ago for two or three weeks, waiting for more components. Now we're hearing Toyota and Honda doing the same exact thing. But we're also hearing it from semiconductors, where Samsung, we may, Samsung said, we may not have a flagship phone this year. Because we can't secure enough product. That would be a very big problem. Supply issues have been a factor in the housing market, driving up prices in a big, 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 bigly kind of way. February existing home sales report is one that I'm always interested in. The existing homes report, to me, plays off of a concept of homes that are already built, which is most homes. So the existing is more important to me than the new homes. Now, the new homes mean something slightly different to me. Existing home sales, I'm like, oh, someone just sold their home. New owner comes in. They're not going to like the, the, the bedrooms in baby pink or baby blue. Let's get that baby blue off the wall. So they go to Home Depot and Lowe's and Williams Sonoma. They get contractors to come in and fix the leaky pipes and such. The new homes, anytime I see that, I'm really not all that interested in new home sales. I'm looking for permits to build new homes. And when I see those rise, and that means people who swing hammers for a living are going to work not today, but six months from now. That's kind of how Wall Street works. It looks down the road to see when people are employed or when people may be going on trips or when people may be like Royal Caribbean saying they're going to start doing Caribbean cruises in June. That's the end of their horrible news. It doesn't get any worse than that. And I have to be very careful and please take this correctly. The cruise industry's 9-11 was COVID. It, it was bad. You had cruise line, cruise ships. This time last year, there's a cruise ship docked in Oakland filled with people on it who wanted to get off. But because they had COVID, they couldn't come off the, bo off the boat. Or not, they didn't have, there was people on the ship who had COVID. Do you remember this? That was their 9-11 moment. It gets no worse than no one's on a cruise for a whole freaking fracking year. Now, again, please pardon me if you lost a loved one in 9-11. I'm not trying to compare buildings crashing from terrorists to people not being able to go on cruises. There's probably a better way of stating that, but that's why I came up with it. And for lack of a better sensitivity and a demand for wanting to say it out loud, it's out there. So February existing home sales, to make a long story short, came in at 6.22 million. Um, a little bit lower than expected. Higher interest rates should start having an effect. 
it should start slowing down people's ability to afford homes. It's tough to say though, right? The house next to mine got sold to a Chinese investor who's never stepped foot in the country, the United States, but wanted to get some of his money out of China. In large part, he's afraid the communist leaders might take his money. So put it in a world where we don't typically take homes from people. It's interesting, right? Two years ago, three years ago, we were talking about who's buying all this real estate and realtors were doing like bus tours filled with Asians, not even Asian Americans, Asians coming to America wanting to buy homes. Now COVID's kind of turned everything upside down, huh? Anyhow, um, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Choo-choo! I love trains. Magical form of, inter- of travel, transportation. If you've never done a Euro pass before... Probably the best expense that I've ever threw down in my life was going to Europe every summer during college and then for three to four months after college ended and just getting on trains and saying, never been to Germany, let's go to Germany. You wake up and you're in Germany and you're like, I've heard something nice about those Swiss Alps. Next thing you know, you wake up and you're in Switzerland. Ah, there's something called the Italian Alps. You're on a train, you fall asleep, you're saving money. At one point in college, on my Euro trip, I budgeted myself like $8 a day to include a place to stay. <laughs> so I was sleeping a lot on trains. Um, and then on those days where you could like not eat or spend money or someone gave you like free food, it's like suddenly the next day you're at $16. And I'm like, this is easy. It's a good way to learn how to budget, right? And to see the world. So literally, I would go. Uh, so I'm on the train in Italy. And I got some crazy advice. Here's my crazy advice from 30 years ago. Um, okay, so when you, you get off the train in Italy, there's going to be some gypsies that come up to you. I'm like, gypsies? And this may not be politically correct anymore. And the, the Americans that you met or the Canadians that you met on the train trip, they're like, yeah, so gypsies do this thing. These little kids, they'll, they'll send kids out at you. And they'll, they'll have newspapers and they'll go like, mister, mister, mister. And they'll flash the newspaper in front of you while they're pickpocketing you or they're cutting off your fanny pack, which fanny packs were a big thing in European travel back then. I was too cool to have a fanny pack, so I was stupid and I had a wallet, right? Um, and I said, so what do you do if, if a group of gypsies surround you little kids? And the guy goes, you hit them. You pull back your arm and you hit every, you roundhouse every single one of them. If you can hit 10 kids with one strike, they'll all flee like dogs. <laughs> I'm like, what? I was not prepared for this part of the world. Um, but I've always been in love with trains. And I got to see the world. I grew up in Europe. I grew up in Asia. Um, I, I've Before I was 20, I spent... 85% of my life in foreign countries. 
I think it makes me a better investor. And I think if your kid, if you can send, afford to send them to Europe and get them a train pass and 60 days of money, they'll see the world. I mean, I got to see Ireland. I got to see every European country that had trains. And then you're like, but Ireland doesn't have a train. But yeah, so you take the, the shuttle or you, you take a ferry. Like, you do it. Anyway. And then you're in the Ireland, you're in Dublin, and like you're like, where is everyone? And no one was there. No one was there. I was like, it's a ghost town. It's, it looks like zombies have invaded Dublin. And then what you find out is there's a World Cup game. Ireland wins the game, and the streets get flooded with Irish people. And it's a moment in your life you'll never forget. Going from the zombie apocalypse, everyone's dead, to everyone screaming and shouting and jumping up and down in the streets. You get to see the Book of Kells, and you get to go, oh. That was a big waste of time. Book of Kells is this, I think, ornate Bible, for lack of a better word. Um, and it's got, it's like calligraphy times 10. So all the letters are all hand-drawn, and you're like, fancy. Why did I just spend money on this? I could have looked on the internet, but there was no internet back then. Eh? Pick it up when I put it down? So anyway, I'm fascinated with the story today. Kansas City Southern is on the right track. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a train reference. Kansas City Southern is agreeing to be acquired by Canadian Pacific Railway. Stock and cash transaction represents a pretty nice premium of 23%. When you think of pulling rocks out of the ground and putting them on a train, or you're going to put them in buses or, or trucks? No, you're going to put them on a train. Trains are a great form of commerce in America. I like trains, and I've always liked trains as investments over trucks, because with a truck, you have one truck driver, and you have one big bin behind them. Now, sometimes you can get like two big bins behind them, but not usually. With a train, you have a conductor, and you can put 100 train carts behind them. You can do 10. You can do 1,000 if the caboose or whatever is strong enough to push it. I've always liked that business model. It makes more sense to me than, than long-haul trucking. I'm not against long-haul trucking because, again, who's going to compete with that? We don't have a really competitive arena. And in fact, it's it's so undesirable work. Truck drivers can make easily $100,000 a year. And they can be based in a cheap city like Reno, bringing all the goods from Reno to San Francisco, Reno to San Francisco, Reno to San Francisco. You could do pretty well, live in Reno for almost nothing. Well, I'm not going to say nothing, but you get the idea. The biggest reason for the deal, what's the strategy behind Canadian Railway picking up Kansas City Southern? Well, there's typically only about six train companies that I could count on a six-handed finger, a six-fingered hand, and suddenly you're going down to five. It's going to create the first network connecting U.S., Mexico, Canada, major operations in Canada and the United States with direct links to ports on the West and the East Coast. Um, the train industry was a mess in the 1980s, but we're not in the 1980s. In the 1980s, they went through a lot of consolidation, they went through a lot of technological upgrades. They got rid of a lot of corporate fat. I don't know if the Donald Trump, United States, Mexico, 
Canada agreement sparked Canadian Pacific to try for another merger acquisition because they tried years ago. But the new trade deal that's in place makes the efficient integration of the continent's supply chains more important than ever. So now you can start seeing these guys saying, look, if you're going to build cars in Mexico and you're going to source parts from Canada, we, we need one train company to kind of figure this all out. And I kind of agree with that. The combination is going to allow traffic between the upper Midwest and Western Canada to bypass Chicago. It's got the potential to reduce rail traffic, fuel burn, emissions. There's, a lot, there's enough positives that you can make for the case. And again, there is something to do with the timing of NAFTA being criticized. The new deal that started in July 2020 provides more certainty for rail operators. Um, so I, I don't think politics really played into this too much other than when we got a relationship between the three countries it's become more important to integrate the three countries' rail systems intelligently. It's not a bad investment idea for a long-term patient investor. It's not like they're going to come up with choo-choo train 2.0 or nuclear choo-choo train that runs on clean energy. But it is out there. It's kind of boring. I don't mind boring. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing anymore. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's scroll through some of the headline news out there today. Airlines are pulling back following recent gains. Energy pulled back last week following recent gains. Do you see a trend? It's a big one to me because like Hawaiian Airlines down 5% today, American Airlines down 4%, Delta down 2.2, JetBlue down 6.6%. That's telling you that some people, some reopening trades are have played out and some people are booking some profits. Okay. The existing home sales numbers showed very limited supply. Uh-oh. Existing home sales decreased 6.6% month to month to a seasonally adjusted rate of 6.2 million. The takeaway is that the supply of existing homes for sales remains near an all-time low, and they'd probably be selling more if they could if they had them. But when there's limited, it also drives up the price of the increases, which go well beyond the pace of income gains, which creates affordability issues. The median existing home price for all housing across America hit $313,000. That's up 15.8% year over year. It's 108 consecutive months of year over year gains. And if you go through the 12 months over 10, so it's been about nine years, right? Of year over year gains. And in your head, you're like, oh, wasn't that the last housing crisis? It was. Median home prices by region, Northeast up 20% year over year, Midwest up 14.2, the South up 13.6, and the West up 20.6%. The median house 
on the West Coast or in the Western states is now $493,000. Inventory for homes sold was flat. Unsold inventory stands at a two month supply. This time last year, we were at a 3.1 month supply, which is tight. Typically, we wanna be around six for more balanced market of buyers and sellers. There's not a lot of inventory out there, so it's a seller's market. In February, 74% of all homes were on the market for less than a month. Wow. It's almost like you don't need a real estate broker, right? Except for they do a lot of things legally for you. AMC Entertainment's pulling back today, again, telling me that maybe some of the reopening trades have already been priced in the markets. DoorDash is going to start beginning to facilitate same-day delivery of COVID-19 test collection kits. To me, that sounds like a press release. It doesn't feel like, yes, you can get a COVID-19 saliva test kit. They'll pick it, they'll drop it off, they'll pick it up. I get it. The last mile fulfillment allows thousands of patients into the platform. I don't think that's that big of a story for DoorDash, other than to say, other than food, what else can they deliver? Pharmaceuticals, drug tests. Do we really not ever leave, need to leave our home again? Groceries, restaurant food, like that's pretty good. But I don't know about DoorDash. I don't know if there's enough in that, that story to say it's a buy. Carnival's cost of cruises to resume cruises in May. Again, I have a massive fear of cruises because I always fear I'm going to get stuck on a cruise with Kathy Lee Gifford and she's going to be singing. It probably is a recurring nightmare of mine. I know, I know. The Italian company of Carnival is cost of cruises and they've revised its plans to restart in May. Um, basically looking at the restrictions in Italy and other European countries and whether or not they can contain COVID-19 or not. Maybe June will be the right time. Maybe March is when they want it to, March 27th, but now they're saying May. So the COVID vaccine is not rolling out as smoothly in Europe as it is in the United States. In the United States, not very smooth. Earlier in the show, I talked about gasoline consumption being up. What's interesting to note about that is some of the speculation on gasoline prices or gasoline usage being way up or college kids on spring break. I remember on spring break one year, I was like, hey, I want to go to um, see Elvis's home, Graceland. I didn't particularly like Elvis. I don't have a, an affinity for Elvis. My mama didn't like Elvis. My daddy didn't like Elvis. It was nothing like I had to do it. It just sounded like a good weekend trip. I didn't know how long of a state Tennessee was. On a map, you're like, Tennessee is, eh, I could probably drive across that in three hours. But what you don't realize, it's a mountainous state, so you go up a mountain, down a mountain, up a mountain, down a mountain. It took like 14 to 16 hours to drive left to right across. It's great, it's on Mississippi. Am I a crooked letter, crooked letter? Ah, hunchback letter, hunchback letter. Um, so a lot, of a lot of people are speculating that gasoline usage now is college kids going on spring break. And if you take a look, 
Yeah, right. If you take a look at it over the weekend on like maybe USA Today kind of websites, Miami's having a problem. <laughs> they got a lot of college kids there and they have a curfew that starts at eight and kids with curfews and kissing each other and drinking beer and sitting in the sunshine. Well, it doesn't exactly stop at 8 p.m. as authority figures want it to. So there's a thought that spring breakers traveling are driving up demand for gas. That doesn't feel right to me. Um, just throwing that out there. That uh, I think people are starting to go back to work. But also there's a thought, listen to this one, talking about conspiracy theories. There's a conspiracy theory that people are driving from New York to Florida to get their COVID shot. Are we that wanting of a conspiracy theory that that's going to drive up gasoline usage? Well, I guess it's good enough for me. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Um, a company that is in the headline news of financial news today that I'm finding interesting, but you may not, it's a company called Wimai, Weemi, Hologram Cloud. They've received a patent for optical holography, waveform generation. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But it's an industry-wide application for 3D holographic pulse LIDAR. Patent is a result of their independent research and development. It covers technologies used in waveform generation, waveform generation processing. And it helps with advanced driver assistance systems traffic management, 3D printing. And I'm like, oh, so 3D printing to me, I saw the coolest application of it. Um, my dentist showed me what a fake tooth, like if you bust a tooth, a cavity, and it cracks your molar. He, sh he showed me his machine that does 3D printing. And I'm like, that's cool. Because um, he knows I'm a money guy. And so he goes, yeah, we scan like a hundred times in your mouth ding, 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 of that where your jaw is and ding, 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 ding. And he goes, this is how we used to make porcelain veneers of we had like kind of put it on top and then send the mold out to the lab and the lab would make this porcelain veneer. But now we're making the veneers and everything ourselves in shop same day. Um, and instead of paying the lab thousands of dollars for doing something very unique, we're able to 3D print it here. So someone who does 3D holographic pulse LiDAR, I'm interested in. Not just because of what it does for cars and driver assistance programs, um, traffic management, but the 3D printing is very interesting to me. Um, ARC Investments expects Tesla to hit 3,000 in the year 2025. They give it a 25% probability. A bull case of as much as 4,000 they give that a 25% probability. And a worst case scenario, it sits at 1,500 or less as a 25% probability. Um, that's kind of fascinating because, again, that's something I do. If I hold a company like Microsoft, I go, okay, let's take a look at the worst case scenario. Let's take a look at a normal scenario and let's take a look at a best case scenario. Um, there's a couple people in the industry, financial planners that I know, that they've got their model portfolios for financial neutral, financial positive, financial negative. And sometimes it's like large cap um, American companies, financial neutral might be 10%. Financial positive in the US economy, it might be 15%. Financial negative, it might be 
just showing you how Wall Street kind of models. I don't know if that helps or if it just confuses you even more, but it is out there. Um, other stories of note that are hitting the wires today. Alaska Aaron has announced the appointment of a new chief operating officer. Eh, when I see headlines like that, I, I'll go, let's take a look at um, who the COO was and who the new COO is. So I look at the resumes. Does the old COO have a history of success at Alaska Air? I, I go, that's a positive. Is the new COO got a history of success from their previous company? I go, that's a positive. And I feel a little bit better about the management team. That's as far as I could take a headline like that. I can't take it any farther, which is pretty far, I think. Um, what other stories are am I seeing? Prologis was added to Citigroup's focus list. I like Prologis. Prologis does a lot of real estate investment trusts. It's a way of owning real estate without buying real estate and buying that 30-year mortgage. And they're typically pretty nice dividend payers. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I'm soon going to have a daily podcast and soon going to have a weekend podcast. I wanted it by end of March. It's not going to happen probably May or something like that at this point in time, but still working on it. The weekend podcast will be filled with more weekend review as well as strategy for the future. The weekday podcast will be more of a breaking news slash how to analyze what's working and what's not working on Wall Street, plus you know some hints, tips, and tricks along the way. But um, one of the stories that I came across recently that I, I, I like sharing these with you for reasons of, I find them infotaining. This is not investment advice. But there's an analyst who is a notorious bear market guy. He, he bets against stocks. He doesn't want stocks to always be at highs. He wants them to go lower. It's weird that you can make money off that, right? Don't you wish you could kind of bet on like the San Francisco Giants having a bad season? And then they have a good season. You're like, I'm, I'm happy. I lost money on the bet. But I'm still happy. So John Hussman says stocks are in a bubble, and he thinks we're going to see 12 years of negative returns ahead. Whoa, that's quite something. That would shake my confidence in the pillars of the economy. He thinks a 25 to 35% drop in the S&P 500 will happen probably quite shortly. Now I have questions. Why do you think that? How old are you? Are you one of those people that just doesn't get technology? Are you one of those people that lives that the markets don't evolve, that they always follow the same patterns? I want to know more. That's not a bad thing. I'm not calling them out. Valuations are extended. Indexes are near all-time highs in the face of a pandemic. I'm okay with that because I saw money, real money. Now, it's government money, which is less real than, say, money that you and I earn. But it's still real money. 
He believes that cash-loaded consumers are licking their chops at the prospect of reopening. But he sees that as signs of the bubble. To be at a bubble, you'd have to say, yeah, market valuations are at all-time highs. To think of a bubble, like if it gets too big, it pops, right? You see the cash-loaded, you see all the, the ideas of falling into place beautifully for why the market goes higher. And that's, he says, is exactly the history of when markets go lower. He's a notorious market bear who called the 2000 and 2008 crashes. Ooh, now he gets more interesting. He has relevancy in my book. He thinks investors are vastly underestimating just how extreme valuations have gotten, and they have. For a company like Apple, they're going to have to have 20 more years of earnings on top of what they have right now to pay out everything that they're worth. It's the price to earnings ratio. That's not good. That's a long wait for some people. He thinks the same mentality right now of stretch valuations is exactly what we walked into in 2019, 29. 